Coming up today on the Lead to Succeed podcast. Literally, you have to train your brain to wake up from a place of gratitude, from a place of self-belief, self-worth, self-love, self-awareness. All of that is the mindset. If your mindset is not in a positive place, it becomes your greatest liability for everything in your life, business, personal relationships, how you feel about yourself. Do you want to learn the tricks that top leaders use to get the most out of themselves and their teams? Well, Naftali Hoff is here to help lead to succeed. Picks the brains of top leaders to learn about their challenges, insights, and best practices. Here's Naftali. Hello, Lead to Succeed Nation. It's Naftali Hoff, and welcome to Lead to Succeed, episode 54. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Marissa Levin. Marissa's entrepreneurial journey began in 1995 when she launched Information Experts, a strategic communications and education firm. She grew the organization to approximately 13 million in revenue until she resigned in 2012. In 2012, she launched Successful Culture, a leadership consulting organization that helps CEOs master the three most critical aspects of business growth, leadership development, strategy formulation and execution, and organizational culture assessment and improvement. And I kind of have this feeling that if we talked for about 10 hours, we probably still would have what to discuss on this. Marissa is the author of the number one best-selling book, Built to Scale, How Top Companies Create Breakthrough Growth Through Exceptional Advisory Boards. She's also the author of My Company Rocks, Eight Secrets to a Growth-Driven Culture, and is a contributing author to You at Work, Unlocking Human Potential in the Workplace. Finally, Marissa is a leadership columnist for Inc. Magazine and is the co-host of the Culture Podcast, the leading podcast where CEOs, leaders, and employees learn how to create exceptional work environments and successfully adapt to external shifts that impact organizational cultures. And if you thought that was a long intro, (laughs) you should know I got an even longer one from Marissa. She's got so much to share, so many experiences. Marissa, thank you so much for being with me today. It's such a pleasure to have you. Oh, it's so great to be here. And thank you for the work that you're doing to be able to get the message out to help others. Oh, my pleasure. And if my camera doesn't cooperate, so be it. I apologize. But we're going to have a great conversation today. Um, better, I'll shift. It's all good. Okay, so there is so much to unpack there. Um, but, but you know, you, you, you may not have gotten started. I'm just curious, because like, I don't know if this was your path when you were in, in college and what you were thinking about moving on. So how did you get started in all this? Kind of talk us through your, your journey a little bit and how you moved specifically into leadership. Sure. So this was definitely not something that I had been dreaming about, you know, growing up, uh, running a business, going into corporate culture, leadership. I mean, none of that was on my radar. Um, I graduated undergraduate degree with a a degree in English with a concentration uh, in Shakespeare. So never took a business course. I was all about the creative end. And I'm the youngest of three. uh, And my brothers are both doctors and lawyers, uh, older brothers. And my father actually was, um, is an aerospace engineer. And so uh, with NASA, very decorated career with NASA for over 35 years. And I only bring that up because I know that my father was definitely wondering what this free-spirited English major, 
you know, kind of hippie-ish type of person was going to end up with. So I think that I've allayed his fears. Um, so I, I had a degree in English. And when I graduated, I became a journalist on Capitol Hill, which is interesting because living in the DC region, our local news is everyone else's national news. And so to have the opportunity to literally be on Capitol Hill covering that at the House and the Senate every single day, I kind of just took it for granted because that's just happened to be what my job was living in the DC region. That got me very immersed. I covered the telecom market. So I covered telecommunications, uh, House Telecom Subcommittee, Senate Commerce Committee, the FCC, the CTIA, the NTIA, everything that had to do with telecom. And I really became an expert in that field. And from there, I was hired by a very small local consulting firm um, to design and develop training and education programs and products for the newly competitive telecom industry. And that is where I um, really sunk my teeth into consulting. I had never, you know, I'd always, I've always been a writer from the moment I was little, but I had never really done consulting. And that is really where I became immersed in that world. I fell in love with the field of consulting. I put myself through um, a graduate degree program in human resources development and organizational development with a focus on adult learning. I did a three-year program in two years while I was still working at that company. And when I went to get my review uh, for my performance review, I was making him a lot of money, the owner of this company. I, he was, I was triple booked on projects. I was finishing work at a much accelerated pace. I was bringing in clients and he told me, when I went to him with my business case of what I was worth in the market and what I was actually making that company, he told me I would never be worth more than $35,000 to his company. Wow. So that was my catalyst, you know, for um, going out on my own and launching information experts because one of the most important lessons of my life, my mom taught me was to never let anyone else determine your value or your worth. And so he specifically told me I would never be worth more than a certain amount. And that really was the instigator for me to launch my own company. I never had taken a business course. I knew that I had a passion for helping others. I knew I had a gift for communications. I knew I loved consulting. Uh, and I knew that I didn't want to work for someone who didn't value me. And so with that, that is really what allowed me to start my own company. And it was a very... A uh, typical story where I was at a paper, I was at a restaurant on a paper tablecloth and I mapped out my first business plan of what I was going to offer, who I was going to serve and how I was going to market it. And it was literally those three things. That was how I started my company. Those three things with having clarity around those things was, a, is what allowed me to build out the framework for my company. And then once I launched the company, the very first thing that I did was develop my value system and to understand what I stood for and what I didn't stand for to know the core values that were going to be, you know, my true North of how I was going to run my company and lead my life. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. It was basics. I mean, you know, I didn't, I didn't have an MBA. I, you know, I, they, these were just things that came from my heart, but those really are the, the nuts and bolts of when you want to launch a business, you know, what are you serving? who are you serving? How are you connecting with them? Ensuring that you are relevant in the market. And then what do you stand for? Why do you exist? And where are you going? And if you can 
if you can just hold on and identify those elements, you'll have a solid business plan. Yeah. And it's so interesting because I, I mean, I'm sort of just going to lift the curtain because oftentimes people don't know when you record things and when you actually release them. This is not going to be released till after the holidays, but we are actually recording on Hanukkah. Yep. And I know we talked about how both of us are celebrators, if that's the right term, uh, people who celebrate that mm-hmm. holiday. And so you talked about values. And I actually just recorded before our podcast, a brief message for my for my connections and my community, if you will, about how Hanukkah is really all about having values and having a system and a framework of who you are. I'm just going through your list here, huh. what you stand for, and ultimately how you market yourself. And I think they kind of checked all three boxes on that one. Um, and that brings us back to a very interesting, some interesting points that you mentioned, Marissa, in your journey here. You know, it's kind of like unconventional. You know, certainly you didn't start with, you didn't begin with the end in mind. Um, in the same sense that maybe Stephen Covey might have mapped it out for us. Um, yet you leveraged opportunities and mm-hmm. you utilized the benefit of connections and learning to be able to move to a point where you were doing more and more valuable work, even though others didn't necessarily see the value in what yeah. you were doing at the time. True. But you saw the value for yourself. And then from there, you um, got prepared. You really kind of like identified your true north and you did so in an unconventional, like a restaurant-based setting. So that's actually very important for us to remember as well, that sometimes we need to go elsewhere. We need to go like out of the work, get out of the office so we can really think and be creative and and understand our purpose and all that stuff. Um, But your preparation, your hard work, your consistency, and your ability to demonstrate that to others all have served you. And I think like if I cut the call right here and just like we ended it on that, (laughs) I think that would be enough because you know, we're obviously not going to do that. But the idea is that we never know where the next opportunity will present itself. Like, you know, for example, in my work, I'm a former classroom teacher and principal. And there was a point in my career where I needed to make a decision. Was I going to look for a new position in school leadership? Mm -hmm. Or was I going to try to leverage my experiences in the uh, coaching and consulting space, workshops and trainings and things like that? Now, if I did it all in a vacuum, which I I feel like I kind of did, I sort of hung a shingle and hoped for the best kind of thing, not a great strategy um, at the time. But the idea was that I felt that I had all of the tools needed to help people who were either just starting out. I've written a book called Becoming the New Bosses for New Leaders specifically. How do you get started in leadership? But also just understanding many of the, the issues and challenges. And because I had done some consulting, Uh, Because I had done some work, a lot of workshops, actually workshops and training in particular, I felt that there was an immediate place for me to make an impact while sort of spreading my wings, building my um, gravitas, building my foundation and all of that and allowing me to move forward. Because we never know in in life where our careers are going to move. But if we're prepared, if we understand our value and we're consistently able to communicate it in a way where others see it as well, then there'll always be a place for you. There'll always be, you know, because you can always reinvent yourself in a way where you're finding the need in the market, whatever kind of economic situation you're in, whatever kind of market you're in, and you can always find a way to make yourself stick out in a positive way and add value to the marketplace. So this is really a great way to get us started. And I'd like to talk a little bit with you, Marissa, about um, how do you help leaders? Because I often find that there are two issues when we talk about leadership. You know, there's the, the technical knowledge, if you will, 
of what needs to be done, right? How does the business operate? What does the market look like? If you're running a school, for example, what are the needs of, you know, curriculum and instructional oversight and things like that? And if you're running a business, obviously you have other technical elements that you need to learn about your work, how the, how the equipment works, how the, how the programs work, how the systems work, how the general economy works, et cetera. But then there's also the, the behind the scenes pieces. And I'm not even talking about human skills for the moment, you know, the soft skills piece of it, which is so critical. Um, I'm actually thinking about it from a mindset angle, right? So in other words, and, and you taught, and I read this in, in your bio that you equip leaders with skill sets and with mindsets, mm -hmm. right? So from your perspective, between those two, which do you typically find, Marissa, requires more work and, 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 and how so? Would you mind elaborating on that? So a quick, the quick answer is mindset definitely requires more work every moment of every day. I, I just want to address one thing that you, you something poignant that you just said about sure. always making yourself, uh, that there's always the opportunity to ensure that, you're, that you bring value to the market. Something I've learned over my you know, 27 year leadership journey is that we are always going to be faced with forks in the road and choices. And so that is why it's so important to always keep your skill sets up to date, to always remain relevant. The single most important thing for business continuity is uh, relevance because it doesn't matter how strong your operations are, how strong your product is, your services. If the market doesn't need it, if you're not aligning with, with a gap in the marketplace, you, you won't have any customers. Right. So ensuring that you are always relevant and being willing and able to pivot literally on a dime with information experts. When I was leading that company, I, we pivoted seven different times in wow. that. I mean, literally seven different times. There were some massive pivots that if we didn't pivot overnight, we would have gone out of business literally gone out of business in the whole education and training field. One day we were a full classroom-based instructor-led training company. The next day, John Chambers, the CEO of Cisco at the time, uh, announced that e-learning was going to be the killer internet application. And overnight, e-learning became how companies wanted to train. I had to change my entire business model, the people that, you know, the, the people that worked for me, how we were marketing, what services we were providing. I literally had to change on a dime in order to remain relevant because overnight people didn't want instructor-led training anymore. They wanted web-based training and internet-based training. So we had to figure all that out. I always say building your first company is like building a plane like you're, uh, while you're flying it because you literally are figuring things out as you go along. Now to get back to your question about skill set versus mindset, um, they, are, they are both super important and it's interesting. I had not thought about this till you put it this way, but it's kind of analogous to EQ and IQ right? So mindset, mindset, you have to work on every single day. And literally, you have to train your brain to wake up from a place of gratitude, from a place of self-belief, self-worth, self-love, self-awareness. All of that is the mindset. And if, if, you're, if, if your mindset is not in a positive place, it becomes your greatest liability for everything in your life, business, personal, relationships, how you feel about yourself, how we feel about ourselves is what dictates how we engage with the world, right? So, yeah. um, so the, the mindset I always say is the single most important tool in our toolbox. It doesn't matter the skills you have if you don't believe that you can accomplish something. What good is an is a, you know, uh, advanced degree? What good is a certification? What good is a skill set if in your mind you believe that that's worthless or you believe that you can't achieve something? 
conversely, if you have a mindset that you can achieve anything that you set your mind out to do, then you will find a way because it's never a lack of resources that holds us back. It's a lack of resourcefulness. Nice. So, yeah. So uh, mindset far and away is, uh, is really the single most important aspect from a personal standpoint on how to succeed. Just like IQ is great. You know, I mean, if, if you've got a really high intellect, if you don't have strong EQ where you can't connect and relate and empathize and live and lead with compassion and vulnerability and empathy, if, if you're not connected to the people that are engaged with you, whether they're customers or employees or shareholders or partners, vendors, whatever that looks like, if you can't connect to that humanity piece of business, it doesn't matter how smart you are, you're, you're not going to be successful. Yeah, there, there's a lot there. Uh, one thing, actually, it's interesting. I see how you connected your previous point with the answer to my question, because in my mind, all those pivots you talked about, Marissa, mm -hmm. really, that is mindset. In many totally. Ways. It's understanding. Totally. And it's also because I do a lot of presentations on growth versus fixed mindset, Carol Dweck and all of that. Mm -hmm. And the idea that if I don't feel that I have the ability to make a pivot, to see myself in a different light, to action, you know, take action around it in a way that's going to drive success, then I'm fixed in the way that I'm thinking. I'm not sure. going to drive. I'm not going to move to that. I couldn't possibly pivot. Um, yeah. And, and the, the piece on resourcefulness is also really critical. You know, in my book, I talk about a leader needs to pivot from, from me to we. Always. And the idea is that when we're coming up the proverbial pipeline, you know, we want to rise um, upward in our in our respective organization, company, etc. So we're very focused on ourselves because we think that we need to draw attention to our abilities and our successes and everything that we're doing. But as a leader, it's all about getting everybody else to perform at a higher level. Your intellect, your technical skills are important, but they in many ways take a secondary role to the ability of a leader to go ahead and optimize the performance of everybody around them. And that's I've always led. Yes, I've always led from servant leadership, like that model. Yeah. That's, that's how I built information experts. I always viewed my role at information experts as, um, as, as the person, the resource that could ensure that everyone else in the organization had what they need to be successful. Like the whole servant leader model, which um, was uh, coined by uh, Robert Greenleaf, I believe, it flips the whole entire pyramid of the org chart on its head so yeah. that, you know, if you think about a regular triangle and then you flip it upside down, the sure. leader, the CEO is literally at the bottom of the servant leadership model and their whole role is to provide vision, right? So that the organization knows where it's going and support. And that's it. Like that is the servant leadership model that that's why you exist. How can I help you be successful? What skills do you need? What resources do you need? What expertise do you need? All of that, you know? And as you mentioned, you know, I have the book out on how to build advisory boards. One of the things that we do with my model on building advisory boards is that to vet advisors is we ask the CEOs that are interested in putting in advisory boards, are you expecting your advisor to only work with the C-level or do you want them to serve as a mentor to the people in your organization? Because that's a really good resource to be able to train and coach and mentor your, your people. So it's having that mindset of what can I do to make sure that my people are successful? And to your point about the me versus we, it's funny you mentioned that because I was just coaching uh, one of my clients. One of my, I coach a lot of CEOs. I mean, a client I've been coaching for seven years. Yesterday, I was on the phone with him. 
and he's bringing on a really critical sales executive. She's going to be a game changer in his organization. And they're down to the wire with a little bit of negotiation. And I was coaching him on having that conversation. A lot of my CEO coaching is around communication. And I said, it's so important to stress the we that this is this isn't about you versus she in this negotiation. This is about collaboration. This is about her understanding that you have her back and that you're in this with her and that nothing excites you more than coming up with an ultimate package that makes them both happy. It's not about you versus, versus her. Yeah. And it's a really important negotiation strategy um, for any negotiation whatsoever that we're in this together we both want the same outcome i have your back here the organization's going to have your back trust you know you trust me on this you know you're not you know we are in this together it is all about we and that's such an important component of leadership to know that it's about we yeah i'm i'm going to pivot here because you said something earlier that really intrigued me. And by the way, again, leadership is my passion. We could talk about this all day. All day. Um, so I'm not, I'm not trying to move away from it by choice. But I think that there's an important point you touched on before that I believe uh, leaders would benefit from, all of us would benefit from in terms of decision making. So you talked about the, the various platforms you were using and how you had to change it to an e-learning platform in order mm -hmm. to stay current with the projected trends. You mentioned Cisco and Cisco CEO and all of that. So, you know, oftentimes we have forecasters that tell us this, that, and the other. Sometimes they're right. Not always. Mm -hmm. How do you determine what is a legitimate trend and that I've got to, as you said, stop on a dime and turn everything on its head and really reorient um, as opposed to something which may just be a lot of hot air, but there's not real substance to it. And all of this extra work that I'm going to do is really not going to bring me to a better place. In fact, it may actually do the opposite. Oh, what a great question. Uh, so my nature, my, my, um, my uh, natural nature is that uh, I am detail oriented in terms of research. Okay. So um, I'm, I don't know if you're familiar with the Colby. It's a, it's a, you know, one of the personality assessments, K-O-L-B-E. And we implemented that at Information Experts. The way you use Colby is to understand how team members or people show up in their work. So for example, I'm what's known as a fact finder. The opposite of me would be a quick start. A quick start is someone who will have an idea and they will run with it, right? Without really doing any research. A fact finder is you someone who, right. A fact finder is someone who has an idea, but before they jump, they're going to, they're going to do some research. So, uh, and they're perfectly paired with quick starts, perfectly paired. Cause if a quick start has a great idea, the fact finder will say, hold on for a minute. Let's just trust, but verify, let's validate. So my, my nature is that I'm always, and I, I'm very futuristic, right? So I'm, I'm always looking for those trends. It's just kind of like how my, how my mind works. When I wrote my book on the advisory board model, I knew that I wanted to put in an advisory board because it was suggested to me by an advisor. 
And I did the research and there was literally nothing out there on how to do it, which is why I spent the year documenting my, my own process. But my first thing was, how do I do it? And I went looking for that information. So I definitely am a seeker in terms of understanding trends, understanding how to, how to do things. I, um, I'm a sponge for information. I mean, I, I'm constantly watching YouTube videos and TED Talks and listening to audiobooks. And I have podcasts on in my car 24-7 when I'm in the car. So I'm just, I'm a sponge and an acquirer of information. Um, I definitely don't make impulsive decisions. I'm a very strategic thinker. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I think that that's really important. You know, I use a bit of a different model when it comes to understanding your leadership style and the personality and styles of others, uh, the more the true colors approach, but either way, it's the same concept that you understand where your strengths are, you understand where your teammates' strengths are and what their hot buttons are as well. And so oftentimes I might, for example, not be so empathic um, by nature. You know, I'm more of a doer. So I'm not, not necessarily impulsive, though my wife might argue to the contrary. Um, but minimally, I like to get stuff done. And I'm not all about the, forgive if it has any pejorative connotation, the fuzzy sort of warm and, you know, connecting piece. I'm more about what do we need to do? Let's do it. And then you may have somebody on your team that really needs that connection yeah. before they can really do anything with you. They don't trust you yet. They don't feel good about your relationship yet, et cetera. So it kind of comes back to where we were before on the leadership and the connections and the personalities and whatnot. But having balance, I think, is a really important piece. It's having balance as a person. We need to do that for sure in everything we do. But having balance as an ecosystem as well. Yep. Understand that, you know, I may have this inclination, who's going to balance me out? And it may be someone internally, maybe it's going to be a mentor, maybe it's a coach, but having somebody that can push back in a healthy way, give you alternative perspective and say, well, what are the, what are the, posi what are the positives if you move forward here? What are the potential drawbacks? What are you not thinking about this kind of thing? Unpack it more. And if you still feel really good about it, then obviously nobody's going to be a profit here. We'll do the best we can and we'll hope for the best outcome. But you go in with confidence, you go in with, with a sense of purpose. And by the way, of course, as you know this, everybody feels it. So if, I'm, if, if I have purpose and confidence and all of that, I can articulate a clear vision and then everybody can rally around that vision. And if I may say one more thing about leadership before we kind of wrap into the, the end of the segment, you know, what you were describing before about servant leadership and flipping the pyramid and all of that, it reminded me quite a bit of the level five leader of Jim Collins, Good to Great. Mm -hmm. You know, the idea that many people introverted, quieter, willing to take a back seat, but having a clear sense of what they want to accomplish and creating a culture and empowering people around it. So there are different models to do it, but, the, but it seems that more and more and more, especially with millennials and Gen Zers and whatnot, who want to see the human connection, who want to feel purpose in everything they do. Not to say that we Gen Xers don't or that baby boomers don't, mm -hmm. but it's more and more relevant even today than before. So leaders need to be mindful of that. And I think that the more that they are, uh, the more successful they can be in the short and, and in the long term. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so let's get a little creative here. If you had an hour to be with a person you never would otherwise meet, which is probably hard to imagine living in Washington, but okay, let's pretend anyway. Someone you could never otherwise meet, it could be a historical figure, who would that person be and why? 
Well, let's see. Um, I did study Shakespeare, so I certainly would love to spend time with William Shakespeare. And uh, on the Martin Luther King, God, I would love to spend time with Gandhi. Gandhi, Martin Luther King, uh, that would be quite amazing. Um, I'd love to spend time with the Dalai Lama. Yeah. I think it's you know, so interesting people. because whenever I ask this question, and thank you for that, Shakespeare is a bit unusual, not in a bad way, but uh, I think it's great. But the others that you mention, that those kinds of personalities come up time and again. And it's just so interesting to me that you would think maybe people are interested in, I don't know, famous athletes, celebrities, um, people who are famous, but not necessarily these kind of people. These are people who are in many ways transcendent. Yeah, Nelson um, Mandela, Mandela. Golda Meir. Uh -huh. I'd love to spend time with Golda Meir. Oh, yeah. She, I mean, she was quite the powerhouse. Right. Yeah, quite Golda Meir. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah but, they, but these are, because again, these are people who excite us, I think, on a, on a deeper level, on a higher level, about changing humanity. Right. Not just sort of in, entertaining us in the moment, but, but putting us potentially, setting our sights and our visions uh, to a different place. So Maya Angelou. My Angelo. Uh, I see what's happening here. Yeah. We've yeah. opened the, we've opened the spigot of creativity. Thank you. That um, would be a great, great party. <laughs> and what a great way, what a great way to end this segment over here. So we're going to now pivot into the uh, the rapid fire Marissa. And the way this works is I ask you a question. I ask for a very short response. No elaboration, please. Maximum a sentence. Oh, um, uh, anyone who wants to hear more about it will have to contact you separately. Okay. Okay. Your favorite part of Hanukkah? Uh, my, uh, the joy with my kids. Okay. If you could plaster a message on a massive billboard, what would it say? Ask. Ask for help. Ask for feedback. On a scale of one to 10, how organized are you? Mm, seven and a half to an eight. Okay. You might my be. Can I change my message? My message for the billboard is all. Go about ahead. Love. It's what? It's just love. Love. Okay. Okay. Or maybe ask for love. love. <laughs> okay. And then the final one a fun getaway in the DC area. Fun getaway in the DC area. Capitol Hill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the monuments are just phenomenal. You know, the Lincoln Memorial and uh, sure. all the monuments. Those are great. Mm -hmm. Okay. So take a minute to tell us a little bit more about how people could find you, connect with you online, learn more about your work. Uh, they can go to SuccessfulCulture.com. That's our homepage for Successful Culture International, which I own with my wonderful co-founder, Jen Brown. Uh, and they can find me on LinkedIn. I'm definitely very active on LinkedIn. Just look for Marissa Levin. Successful Culture has a Facebook page. We also have a LinkedIn page. Uh, I'm also on Twitter. I'm, I, ha I have 20,000 followers on Instagram, but I don't use it very much, but you're certainly willing to follow me there. So I'm kind of all over if you just Google me. And I think I found you on Inc. Magazine, if I'm you not. You did. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So Marissa, you've given us so much. Uh, please leave us with one final life lesson that we could uh, take with us as we wrap up our conversation. Uh, enjoy the journey. 
Enjoy the journey. Yes, because you never know where it's going to take you. That's for sure. And if we don't have the right mindset, we're going to miss out a lot, I think, along the way. Mm -hmm. Marissa, it's really been a pleasure. Thank you so much for making the time to speak with me today. I know how busy you are with all the various things, all the wonderful things you have going on. Thank you for inspiring us with these awesome leadership concepts and ideas and practical takeaways. And uh, look forward to deepening the conversation with you and getting to know you better over time. Likewise. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and for investing in yourself so that you can lead to succeed. Before you go, don't forget, social media junkies, please share this recording with your networks and tag me as well. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Naftali Hoff and on Twitter at Impactful Coach. 